This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. We are less than a week away now from the early signing day, which really has become the signing day in a lot of respects. I mean, you're going to see almost most people try to sign as many guys as possible in December and have a few spots left. So we are in crunch time, and um, this is, what, Nate, year three, uh, Nate Klaus, uh, of the early signing day now? Yeah, this is the year three of the, the early signing day. And, um, you know, that first year, you know, I don't think it, people really knew how to approach it or, or how to handle it. So you didn't see the overwhelming majority of, of recruits sign early. Um, last year, though, you, you definitely did, and I think it'll be much the same this year. So, um, you know, if, if there's players that are – uh, you know, fully qualified and everything that nine, nine out of 10 of them are probably going to sign early. Yeah. And most teams are going to put the pressure on those guys. And we're going to talk a lot about recruiting two fully dedicated segments um, to recruiting here with Nate today as, as we look at Nebraska's class. But um, wanted to start off guys with some roster movement. And, um, and, you know, I said this on another show this week, I think Nebraska might be the only school in the country where walk-ons entering the transfer portal gets the kind of attention it's gotten. Um, you know, when Andrew Bunch, backup quarterback, walk-on quarterback, put his name in, I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. But uh, Isaiah Stahlberg, who led Nebraska in special teams tackles, uh, played the third most special team staff snaps behind Jeremiah Stallball and Eli Sullivan. He put his name in. Um, that one, to me, is a blow. There's no doubt. But um, I think both guys want situations where they can get on the field. We know Bunch is not going to get one here, and Stalbert I think, wants to play more defensive snaps, and, and that kind of led to his decision. Yeah, I don't think the fact that those guys left is a surprise, but you know they're notable because of what they'd accomplished. I mean, Andrew Bunch started a game at quarterback at Nebraska. So, I mean, he's not your typical – backup walk-on I mean just just given what what he was asked to do a year ago but uh, with Isaiah you know he's one of those guys I think down the road was a no-brainer to earn a scholarship if he would have stuck it out I mean he had a huge role like you said on special teams this year um, probably you know was a long shot maybe to see the field defensively um, but he was a, certainly a talented enough player to be scholarship somewhere and I don't think he'll have uh, any shortage of options uh, for his next spot and I'm sure he'll get a lot of playing time in exactly the role that he wants at his next school. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he where he lands, uh, because there's no doubt he made an impact at Nebraska, like you said, Robin, mostly on special teams. But um, you know, I, I keep going back to some of the things that Travis Fisher was saying about him during fall camp and even early on in the season about uh, you know how much he trusted him and, and how well he was doing, how how far he could, he had really come from his true freshman year to to this past season. So um, you know, there's going to be some opportunity out there uh, for sure. But I don't know if it'll be D1 or if it'll be FCS or you know exactly what. Uh, what will be out there for him? One, well, he is a walk-on still, so he'd be able to go somewhere and play immediately, uh, no matter the level. So he does have that going for him. And um, you know, I, I do think though he was probably going to get a scholarship for sure in December and the summer, and he might have been put on scholarship in the fall. But I, I believe it ultimately he looks at safety and corner at Nebraska, and he knows that it's going to be very difficult for him to start here down the road. Um, maybe he could be a nickel or a dime guy someday, but. Um, I think he realized that the opportunity to be a starter, he's got three years left of college, and uh, that's not going to happen. And to me, guys, the concern on that, my concern on this is, 
you know, the walk-on program, you really sell it. And here's a guy that has played and done everything you could ever ask of a walk-on. That's a redshirt freshman and he's leaving. And, you know, as you try to sell the walk-on program and talk about it in other schools, maybe uh, South Dakota state or, you know, lower level schools that are recruiting against the guys in Nebraska once they're going to use that and say, look, they, they just had a guy that played, you know, a ton of snaps on special teams as a walk-on and he left. I mean, that, that to me is, my concern looking at this whole thing with a guy like Stahlberg leaving. I still think the examples of people that have stuck it out as walk-ons and gone on to have uh, notable careers at Nebraska far outweighs any negative pitch other schools could potentially make on that. But uh, Isaiah is also not your typical walk-on in the fact that you know he's going to have a lot of options um, at the D1 level uh, to, to go play and, and play right away where you know maybe some walk-ons wouldn't have that opportunity. So I think it's kind of a, just a unique scenario with him to where he's a talented enough player. Like you said, Sean was probably well on his way to um, earning a scholarship pretty soon uh, within the next couple semesters. Um, but you know it came down to more about finding a place where, where he can play where he wanted to play. And like I said, I think he'll have his pick of the litter as far as, um, you know, that next tier of schools that are going to be jumping at the chance to get him. Yeah, it definitely gives those other schools that recruit against Nebraska's walk-on program a little bit of ammo. But at the same time, I, I don't know if um, that'll be enough to, to sway things completely. I mean, yeah, he saw a lot of snaps on special teams, but it wasn't like he you know, had broken the too deep in the, in the uh, depth chart or was seeing a ton of snaps on defense, too, that necessarily – um, you know, would have really warranted a, a scholarship as a redshirt freshman either. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as, as we talk about uh, roster movement here for Nebraska. Um, you know, Katerian Legrone, Andre Hunt officially entered the transfer portal, as we know that they are dealing with a major off-the-field thing. So uh, that was the other movement that, that we saw this week. And I don't know if we're going to see really a ton more, at least on the scholarship side, guys, until after spring ball. Um, it just is very difficult for a guy to leave and try to go somewhere, um, you know, because very few teams are going to put you on scholarship in January, especially if you're a marginal player. They're going to hold that spot as long as possible for recruiting. Um, so to me, I don't know if you're going to see a lot of movement now until um, maybe after spring football. Yeah, and that's not uncommon, Look, especially given Nebraska's roster situation where there are very few set in stone starters right now there's gonna be a lot of position battles that need to play out this spring and on even in the fall camp before guys really know what their role is going to be next season I think that's probably a good thing for Nebraska to keep these guys around that um, you know there's realistic chances of guys either earning starting jobs or a significant spot in their specific rotations uh, that you know you can kind of keep that that carrot out there for them a little bit whereas in previous years where there's your no-brainer starter and maybe your no-brainer backup, and then here's somebody that knows he has no shots to see the field. You know, he might get a jump on finding his his next destination. So I don't know if there's as many of those situations this year, just given kind of how wide open everything is outside of maybe a handful of positions. Well, and the other thing too is it's not like basketball where if you transfer at semester, you know, you could maybe get a leg up and play the second half of that next season. So. Um, you know, I, I just don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense to, to go ahead and, and bounce before uh, spring football and everything. You know, if anything, you get some, you, you know, get some more tape uh, throughout spring to, to, you know, put out there and, and show other, uh, you know, show other schools if you did decide to leave after spring football is over with. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. We're going to talk more about the roster and recruiting here later in the show, but uh, I want to talk some basketball. We haven't talked Husker basketball yet on the season. Um, a lot has happened 
uh, on the court, a few things off the court. So um, there's a lot to catch up with on the basketball front of things. So we're going to talk with Robin Washett um, here later in the show and get his – or next year in the show and get his take on – Everything with Nebraska basketball and obviously the disappointing loss against Creighton. Uh, Robin was in Atlanta, covered the game at Georgia Tech as well last week. So he's got a really good read on this team, what kind of where things are at, especially with the early conference game starting up. Nebraska plays, is it Friday, Sunday, Robin? Yep. Friday, Sunday, early Indiana, Purdue, a very, very difficult draw for Nebraska here um, to open up Big Ten conference play. So we'll get Robin Washett's take on all that next here listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett talking Nebraska basketball here now as the Huskers uh, really threw a meat grinder part of their schedule, Robin, early. Um, you, you know, they had those early games um, to kind of get some momentum going, but then you had Georgia Tech and Creighton and uh, a tournament over um, – overseas and then obviously um the big 10 game starting up here uh with indiana and purdue um i mean what's your read just right now because you know as, as we look at this team um they still don't really play like a team i mean i think there's a lot of que- there's just so many questions about this roster and how they've played uh thus far what's your early take well we knew there was going to be uh, a lot of uh learning curve this season uh, with given the amount of roster turnover and the new staff and um, basically just all the newness uh, around this program and guys just learning how to play together. Uh, but I don't think anybody expected it to be quite as <laughs> uh, volatile as it has been this year. I mean, starting out of the gates, obviously dropping to back-to-back by home games, UC Riverside and Southern Utah showed just how big of a project this was going to be. Now to Nebraska's credit, they've, Looked okay. I mean, they, they looked really good. They went over South Dakota State, who, in my opinion, was going to be one of the more difficult home non-con games. Uh, and then they went to the, the Cayman Islands uh, and beat Washington State handily, beat South Florida, albeit an ugly loss to George Mason sandwich in between there. But uh, this December stretch was kind of that uh, little run where we kind of figured we were going to learn a lot about this team that we hadn't uh, really had the opportunity to know uh, up until that point because they played two straight uh, true road games at Georgia Tech, which, you know, like you said, I was I was there and that was far from a daunting environment. But, you know, they were away from home and it wasn't a neutral site game. And uh, they had to travel across the country or halfway across the country and, and go try to find a way to win. And they kind of fell, tripped over their own feet on that one. And then 72 hours later, they go to Creighton for their first taste of the Creighton-Nebraska rivalry and were completely overwhelmed through the first 15 minutes uh, and could not recover. Granted, they played much better in the second half, but far too little too late. And so right now, uh, you're staring at the season kind of uh, with not very high expectations. I think the barometers of success that you can take away from this year one is uh, some intangible stuff that goes beyond just wins and losses. I think the ultimate goal is finding your core group of guys that you can build around for the future. You know, your, your handful of guys that you know can run your system are going to buy into your culture on and off the court, and then you can add those pieces with the three sit-out guys um, that arguably could all be starters this season, and then uh, with the rest of the open scholarships you have for 2020, and then really kind of start to establish an identity, which right now 
they're still very much in the infancy stages of trying to figure that out, who they are, what they are, what guys' roles are. Uh, and you see that with their play, where there's stretches where they look really good, and then also just as many, if not more, stretches where they look absolutely terrible. Now, Samari Curtis also announced his transfer mm-hmm. um, before the semester ended. A, why did he do it? B, were you surprised? Not surprised that he transferred, kind of surprised by the timing. I mean, he did it after just eight games and a handful of months on campus. But if you looked at the body language there, I mean, just during it in the game, watch a timeout when the team's huddling around, there's Samari kind of off by himself, like not included in the, in the conversations or encouraging his teammates during pregame warmups. You know, guys are shooting around and then there's Samari just sitting by himself on the bench. Like, in a really obvious bad attitude uh, that, you know, I think he was frustrated with the lack of playing time he got. Uh, and you could kind of read between the lines with some of the public comments Fred Hoiberg had made, uh, you know, trying to like say, we need to get Samari involved. We really want to get him involved. You know, I think he's a really good player. Uh, you know, his time's coming. You know, you kind of see that when coaches are, are trying to push guys a little bit to do more uh, and hope that some positive reinforcement might do the trick. Well, that clearly didn't happen. Uh, you know, Samari, he's a volume shooter. He averaged 36 points per game in high school, but that's because he took a lot of shots and he was the alpha dog. And now he's a true freshman guard playing on a guard-heavy team that there just wasn't much opportunity for him to play. And then when he did play, he wasn't all that great. He's got a so, funky, he had a funky looking yeah, shot too yeah. that, I mean, maybe it went in in high school and, but at this level you well, can't have funky looking shots and get away with it. Yeah. And I mean, I, apparently he was making some in practice, but he wasn't doing nearly enough in games. And then his defense was a total liability. So again, I'm not surprised that he transferred in, in a year like this, when you just throw a bunch of guys into a locker room together and, and hope for the best, there's going to be attrition. Samari's one. There's going to be more. I can all but guarantee it. Uh, so that's part of the process of trying, like I talked about, finding that core nucleus of guys that you know you can stick with uh, to build around for the future. And so Samari wasn't one of them. And for his, to, I guess, his advantage, he got out now uh, where there is the mid-year transfer market. He can join his next school before next semester and then only have to sit out uh, essentially half a season next year. So uh, it makes sense for him. And for Nebraska, it gives them an open scholarship, not only for the mid-year transfer market, but also uh, another opening for the spring. What about, the, you mentioned um, finding a lineup and getting their guys established. They made kind of some interesting moves against Creighton late. And one of them involved, I believe, taking Drago off the floor, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and kind of switching that up there with the five-man um, I mean, what do you see them doing here with conference play coming up? I think it'll depend on the game. Uh, in that Creighton game, I think, was more about the mismatch uh, that Creighton presented. Uh, they don't have a big, and so they are basically daring uh, Ivan Wade Rogo to go out and garden uh, in the perimeter and garden space. And he's a decent athlete, but that is not his strength. Uh, he's just not fundamentally sound enough to do that on a consistent basis. And then with his struggles offensively, you know, they just they had to go somewhere else. And so Mateka Voss played a lot more. Um, obviously Thor played a lot more in the second half. And so they kind of found a lineup that worked really well. They shot 61% from the field, uh, scored 54 points, their highest scoring half of the season. And But again, they never got within 19 points of that game. So, I mean, you take it for what it is. Uh, but I think it's going to, I mean, against Purdue, you're going to have to play your bigs. They have two bigs on the roster, Ivan Wade Rogo and Kevin Cross. And those guys are going to have to play out of necessity, ready or not. But against teams like a Creighton or um, you know, maybe even Indiana to an extent where they're going to have more guard-heavy lineups, 
I think you might see um, Nebraska shuffle its lineup a little bit closer to what it looked like in the second half of that Creighton game, just because that you know they're at a severe disadvantage. You know, one when they're not scoring, but two when you're giving up that many points off of mismatches with your handful of bigs not being able to compete with those smaller, quicker uh, post players of other teams. Early take now, as you look at the conference, Robin. I mean, what has jumped out to you? If you were, I mean, it looks like Penn State. By the way, they're they're off to a hot start. I mean, there's some teams like that that have really emerged. I think the Big Ten is uh, so top to bottom. They're really good. They don't have that clear cut like national championship. Contender. Michigan State would be maybe the closest, or would it be Maryland? Kind of, or yeah, Maryland was up there, and then they just got housed by Penn State. Uh, Michigan was playing really, really well. Uh, so I mean, you got I think three teams in the top five right now, or at least of the of the last week's uh, AP ballot. Uh, and you know Penn State is good. I mean, you just go down the list. Wisconsin, you know, they're they're never easy. So I mean, just the the conference as a whole is really really strong. Where I mean, take it for what it's worth, but Joe Lenardi's early brackets, he has eight. He has uh, the Big Ten is an eight bid league, which is the highest of any power conference. So uh, <laughs> as if Nebraska's situation wasn't even more daunting, now they're going into a league where there literally are no nights off. I mean, every game is a test uh, and they're going to get thrown into it this weekend going to Indiana, which is uh, playing red hot finally under Archie Miller. And then Purdue coming to town on Sunday, which we all know what Purdue is. They're as good of a coach team uh, as there they're is like the They're like the Wisconsin of football. Yeah, Matt, Matt Painter Just... is a, a genius and he's got, you know, he lost Carson Edwards, uh, but they still got um, that, that Har- Matt Harms kid uh, and Nogel Eastern. And so they got plenty of talent and Nebraska is going to get a, uh, cold slap of reality of what life in the Big Ten is going to look like in another month. So they play these two games, and then they get their their break games? Yeah, basically they're going to be off for a week. They come home on December 21st uh, for a bye game against North Dakota, and then after Christmas break they come back for their final non-conference game against Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, And then January 3rd, Rutgers comes to town, and the Big Ten slate is underway. So they got a couple more quote-unquote tune-ups, but – this team's already lost two of those tune-ups, and so I don't know if they have the opportunity to take anything lightly. <laughs> All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to bring in Husker Line intern Grace Harmon. We're going to take your questions in the mailbag next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and joining us here, soon-to-be graduate Grace Harmon, when is graduation day? It's coming up, like two weeks, Grace? Uh, yeah, about 10 days from now, the Saturday the 21st. So you're having a big party, and, and we're all invited, right? <laughs> Talk to my parents about that one. <laughs> I was teasing Yeah, David and Matt, uh, I'm trying to think, David invited us. He had a little gathering when he, he finished up. But Matt, um, did Matt have a party? I don't think so. I'm I didn't just... get invited if he did. <laughs> I, did I didn't get invited to either one. <laughs> So um, David went to Tanner's, one of our proud sponsors. By the way, this segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by our good friends at Tanner's Sports, Sports Bar and Grill. See how I did that? I kind of yeah. set up. That is a segue of the pros right there. Get into Tanner's Sports Bar <laughs> and Grill. Watch all the NFL action. Navy Army's on. A lot of college basketball uh, locations in Omaha and Lincoln. Now it's time for the mailbag, Grace. What do you have to lead us off with? All right. Well, when can we expect Nebraska's recruiting class to fill up before, during, or after the first National Signing Day? So it'll be mostly full, I, th- I believe, here in the, the early signing day. Um, you know, I think the target number is probably 2021. And then, you know, they, they kind of give yourself, uh, you know, give yourself a handful of spots to, to sign some late guys that aren't going to be, um, you know, 
going through with things transfer until February portal. and then to leave a couple for the transfer portal. But, yeah, I think the, the majority of the class will be locked up here on December 18th. Yeah, they're at 15 at least as of uh, Wednesday. And, you know, they have 26 spots. That includes transfer portal, though, too. So um, what, Nate, you think about 20? We'll talk about this later in the show. Yeah. But but they'd like to be about maybe 20-ish, low 20 uh, by, by signing day. Yeah, I think 20 is probably that target number. It could be, you know, give or take a couple. But, um, but yeah, I think that uh, that would be kind of ideal there to be right around 20. All right. Do you see any departures on the coaching staff happening this year? I mean, it, that's a question we've been asked a lot. Um, I don't think you'll see anything. If anything happens, it's going to happen kind of like Mike Dawson a year ago where all of a sudden a guy will be announced for a new job elsewhere and he'll be moving on. Um, but I, I think the window – I mean, I, I just don't see Co- Coach Frost just outright – firing a guy um, in that manner. We've seen college coaches do that already around college football, and they've done it immediately after their season ended. Texas did it. South Carolina did it. Um, I mean, you go down the line, Northwestern fired their coordinator on offense, longtime Fitzgerald coach. Um, But I I, I think, you know, you will probably see another round of firings um, around college football or movement at least after the February signing day. But everybody is so cautious right now because you're very close to that December signing day. Yeah, I think that's kind of the, the holdup right now. And plus, I mean, you're still kind of in the turnover stage where um, you know, there's still multiple job openings even um, needing to be filled. So, I mean, the, the window, I think, is going, going to go beyond, um, obviously, this month and probably on into, into January after the season wraps up and after the NFL season wraps up because uh, that's when that carousel finally starts to, to slow down a little bit. And, you know, if it happens, it happens. But uh, continuity, I know, is extremely important to this to Scott Frost and, and to his staff. And for a team that, you know, shuffled through position coaches left and right every other year, um, some stability, as much as, you know, some fans want to have somebody to blame, uh, might not be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I'm not expecting any um, – and I'm not saying it won't happen or, or that someone won't leave for a different job or whatever, but – I'm not expecting it. Um, now, and you could see uh, some things. There's always a little bit of movement sometimes uh, right after the first of the year with the coaches' convention, um, you know, and with the coaching carousel, whether it be in open jobs and, and a lot of movement there. Um, you know, that you could see something there or, or after the February signing day. But at Nebraska, I'm not really – I'm not anticipating anything. All right. So what does the punting and kicking situation look like here going into the fall and spring? <laughs> That's a good one. Um, yeah, William Pricestep is probably your punter as of now. Um, Nate, the walk-on from Lincoln Southeast is here too, right? He's a true yeah, Grant Detlefson. He, he had a good punting leg coming out of high school. We know that. Um, so maybe he'll get a look in the spring. But the kicker from Iowa Western, uh, Chase, uh, Chase Contreras. Contreras, I mean, you have to think he didn't come here just to hang out in Lincoln and – and, and go to the rail yard, which, by the way, <laughs> I say that. What's, what's there to do there? <laughs> loosely. Um, but uh, Chase Gutierrez, he's coming here to be a starter. I mean, I think he's going to get a great opportunity. And then Matt Walduck, um, I mean, Barrett Pickering, what do you guys put the odds on Barrett Pickering being a starter? I would be surprised if he came back. I mean, I think the thing about kickers is reliability is as important as anything about that position, and he's not reliable. They can't count on him. I mean, he hasn't been healthy, and even going back to his freshman year, uh, inconsistency plagued him uh, until he kind of finished on a high note at the end of that year. And so, I mean, talking about a guy that still has, what, two more years of eligibility remaining, three maybe, uh, I just – 
I don't see it. I think that they're probably going to try and find a better option, and uh, I don't think it's going to be that hard to do it. Well, at the very least, we know that they want to create some some more competition and, and some more depth there after what happened. I mean, shoot, they went through <laughs> how many kickers? Six kickers Six. or whatever. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, with, with Chase Contreras, who was just named, I think, second team junior college All-American, um, you know, I, I think that that's going to be that's going to be tough um you know there's going to definitely be a battle there and, and I would be surprised if if he was not the guy that, that ended up taking home that job all right so do you think coming into the spring and fall will the will, will the coaches have a real open quarterback competition I mean I think we're gonna be talking about that a lot from now until then um I think there's some things we don't know did Martinez have a surgery of any kind? Is it minor? My read is if he did have a surgery, it's minor. Um, but would he be limited at all in the spring? Um, that's something we don't know um, officially. And hopefully we'll talk to Coach Frost on Wednesday to get some of that answered. But um, there's no doubt. I mean, there is no doubt it's going to be open. Adrian Martinez did not do anything to the point where you're like, no, no matter what, he's the guy. He's the starter for a third year. They are definitely going to have an open competition. Yeah, I would certainly hope so. But it's also – uh, a delicate situation in the fact that you have a two-year starter who's a team captain uh, and all of a sudden you're going to say your job's up for grabs that might ruffle some feathers um, which you know, I don't think is necessarily the worst thing but uh, you know that sometimes that that can create some some unnecessary or some unwanted drama uh, within your locker room uh, we saw that in previous years I mean the, the whole Tommy Armstrong fiasco with with Riker Fife and all that stuff I mean it, it's 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 hard with quarterback in particular just because um, how they're respected and um, you know, responded to in the locker room is so important that um, you know if you shuffle that up uh, you know you're probably going to maybe upset some people. So I think that this, this spring, they need to be um, you know, very cognizant of that and make sure they do it the right way to where you know, they're either um, not just giving Adrian the job, uh, providing competition, but also not saying, hey, you know, Adrian, thanks for, thanks for your service. Good luck wherever next year. <laughs> well, to, to play devil's advocate a little bit off that, I, I think you could also create a little bit of drama if there wasn't a, a serious competition too. You know, if it was – um, you know, his job and, and uh, everyone else was competing for the backup role. I, uh, I, th I think it would be wise to, you know, have it be at least competitive um, and, and, and allow, you know, some of those guys to have an opportunity to at least say or, you know, prove that, that they should be in a competition for that number one spot. So uh, that's what I'm kind of anticipating. All right, Grace, we got time for two more. What do you have? All right, so while well, I have one for Robin here, after mm. seeing about a month of Husker basketball, uh, have you seen any improvement? And where would you say they're going to end up at the end of the year record-wise? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think, that, again, the, the improvement has been in bits and pieces. Uh, the number of games where they've played a you know, full two halves of quality basketball few and far between but uh i think you've seen some some glimmers of guys kind of starting to come into our own and find roles um hanif cheatham i think is probably the highlight of the season so far uh he was named to the all tournament team in the cayman islands and i think he's averaging about 17 points per game over his last five or six games and so he's been the one kind of uh stable force in a, a very unstable lineup um, and then there emerges a thor year thorbjorn arson uh, i mean that's probably as good of a feel good feel good story as you're going to find to where, I mean, he started against Creighton, um, you know, albeit for some other reasons, but, uh, you know, he's been averaging double figures the last few games uh, and has really uh, made the most of a difficult situation when 
Uh, you know, there was speculation uh, that he wasn't even going to be around. Uh, now here he is as a, a key cog in that rotation. And um, I think, you know, you see flashes from the young guys too. Um, you know, Ivan has shown flashes, Kevin Cross has shown flashes. Uh, and so, I, you know, Cam Mack has, has certainly played well despite some of his issues. But I think long story short is uh, you got to find your glimmers of hope in a season that's not going to have a lot of them. All right, final question. All right, so I know you all are dads, um, but have you ever tried White Claws before? <laughs> I have tried one. I what, really, fla- what flavor? The black cherry. Is okay. it, so I, I got a little crazy at Hy-Vee one day and <laughs> um, was doing my Sunday thing. And you know, you know what? Wheeler has talked all about White Claw or other internal. I'm going to try. Um, I'm going to get a six pack of this. Um, and I did not care for it that much. So I've got five. And I, I told Grace, I told Grace or Allie, <laughs> you guys are both of age. I go, yep. I might be donating my white claw to you guys because I don't know if that's going to be gone anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, I've had it. I've had several of them. Uh, and Party I, boy. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice little break if you're you know tired of beer and you want something different. Um, you know, I, I like them better than like the, the Natter Days. I think those are too sweet. Mm. So I like uh, it's, it's not overly sweet and... Uh, I think it's, it's a good good break, uh, but only only in, in small. S- yeah, small, small doses, doses. Small doses. Yeah, I've had them too. I, I feel like it's more of a summer drink, maybe for me at least, uh, every now and then. But what 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 do you mean? I know your dads. <laughs> yeah. we're, old, what, we're old dads. Yeah, what's that supposed it's to mean? It's kind of so, like a, it's a newer trend, I oh, guess. Okay, so we're not up on the new. Trend. We just get maybe more particular not. with our drink selections. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I become like a Scotch drinker. I mean, mm-hmm. I, See, a good Scotch is. <laughs> Bourbon and IPAs for this guy. Yep. And, and I remember you told us Coors Light was like living high in the hog for yeah, you, Yeah, that, that's like <laughs> fancy beer for college students. Coors, like Bush Light's kind of the standard, or is it even below it's Bush even Light? It's even below. It's like uh, Natty Light or stuff like that. All right. Just headache <laughs> in a <the> can. Yep. <laughs> Basically water. <virtually. laughs> All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk recruiting uh, with Nate Klaus. As we got plenty to talk about, we'll spend our next two segments on Husker recruiting. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show as we're getting you geared up for the early signing day. It's next Wednesday as uh, Nebraska should have a, you know, they've they've got 15 commits as of Wednesday here this week. Um, And, you know, by next Wednesday, they would like to have, you know, close to 20. I mean, it's hard to say the exact number they'd like to be at on a Wednesday. Um, But doesn't necessarily mean, Nate, all those guys would sign early because, the way the rules are, once you sign, you count on the 25. And if there's any academic questions at all, you're going to probably see Nebraska hold off to, you know, not have a guy sign. And, and you might even not, you might even see a guy or two not sign in February as, as they kind of wait to make sure their grades are in line. It's totally possible. I, I think that, um, you know, you just can't take chances right now, especially when you're Scott Frost and you're trying to maximize your roster and, and really flip things over. Um, you know, if someone's borderline, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of roll the dice there and, um, you know, risk kind of getting, getting bit in the, in the long run, uh, if someone falls short. So there, I think there could be a couple long-term or long-time commitments that, that, uh, kind of delay the signing until February until they kind of have a better, a better idea of exactly where they're at. But, um, you know, like, like we were saying earlier in the show, I think ideally, uh, they would like to be, you know, right around 20 signees in the boat um, and over and done with, you know, kind of you can kind of move on to, 
to the to what's left, but uh, I do think there's going to be you know maybe a couple guys where they they delay things, or you know a lot of the junior college prospects that, that they've kind of um, have gotten after here over the last few weeks or last month or two. Uh, you know if those are if those guys are not early enrollees, they will not sign them early. Um, they will wait until the February signing period to to get those guys in. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as. Um, we talk recruiting here with Nate Klaus and Nate. Nebraska picked up a junior college commit this week. Is it Etava? Etava? Etava. Etava. Magua. Malga. Malga. Okay, I yeah. totally. <laughs> yeah, inside linebacker out of Diablo Valley College. Um, you know, originally from American Samoa. So this is a guy who you know grew up in American Samoa, playing. You know, and was started playing football. Uh, had a dream of of kind of continuing that, trying to wanted to play in college and maybe even beyond. He moved to California um, and uh, enrolled in Diablo Valley College. It was actually a gray shirt. So he graduated in 2017 gray-shirted his first year, um, and then he came in as a cornerback. He was about 5'11", $1.75, and he grew three inches and has gained over 40 pounds since uh, beginning junior college. So he he started as a corner, moved to safety, and then this past season played outside linebacker, uh, was the defensive player of the year in his conference. But this kid is explosive. He's fast. He he's like a missile on the football field, and um, you know, and, and he's kind of a an under the radar guy. And and I know that some fans are you know they'll get skeptical when you when you label someone as kind of a diamond in the rough, trying or, to put lipstick on a pig. Yeah, almost or. but I'm telling you, you go watch the film of this guy, and um, and and he stands out. He, he, I don't know if Nebraska really has an inside linebacker. Uh, whose high school or junior college film looked quite like this guy's. I mean, he's extremely disruptive, 23 tackles for a loss, seven sacks on the season, um, has got a motor. I mean, his, his first step, um, his quickness, and then just the, his motor and how he plays the game, uh, really, really exciting. And so um, he became, I think he, he quickly became, you know, the, maybe their top target. And I think that's part of the reason why Jamoy Hodge and Nebraska kind of parted ways there. I think they, they felt like they could get Malga, who they obviously liked as much or maybe even more than Hodge. And then I, we're seeing some late movement with, the, with some higher ranked uh, high school inside linebackers too. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really good solid pickup here for Nebraska, and and he's a guy who's going to be an early enrollee. He's a three for two uh, transfer, and and should you know at least pl- push for if not push for a starting role, uh, most definitely will I think be in the rotation uh, for Barrett Root at the inside spot. So yeah, you mentioned. Um obviously the decommitment. I mean, what happened there? I mean, was it a deal where Nebraska, I mean, obviously they had a better guy here that they wanted, but I mean, was it as simple as that? Or do you think it, there was an academic question that, that caused them to make this decision as well? Yeah. You know, I, I, I do know there was a little bit of an academic component too, but I, you know, from, from the junior college coaches, their independence that I spoke with, I, that was, that was a minor thing, uh, but you know, like I, like we mentioned earlier, you can't really take any chances uh, when there is something on the transcript that you're that you're worried about. Um, you know, and he was planning on being a, a, a mid-year guy, early enrollee, and um, like I said, the emergence of Malga, and then the you know maybe the uh, the academic concern with with that one particular class. Um, you know, and, and then all of a sudden the emergence of some of these other high school inside linebackers that, that are pretty highly ranked and, and, and highly thought of. I think 
just kind of caused Nebraska to say, you know what, I think we're going to maybe move on and, and part ways here. And, um, and I'll, I'll be honest, I mean, Hodge was a really good player and he was, he was really broken up about it. Uh, yeah, I know this is kind of the, it's kind of the, the cost of doing business, I guess, you know, these things happen with recruiting, but, uh, he was really fired up to play at Nebraska and, and to play for Barrett Rood and, um, he, he was he was pretty broken up, but uh, silver lining, you know, as soon as literally an hour after he decommitted or, or posted that he was, you know, his recruitment was open, he landed three or four new offers. I think Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Louisville came in, uh, so he, he's got plenty of good options still too. But uh, but you know, with the the commitment of Malga, I think is uh, that's a big step in kind of solidifying the inside linebacker position in this class. Good thing last year she was not at Independence this year. That would have been a pretty yeah, that would have been pretty ugly. Um, yeah, Jason Brown may have had some words <laughs> with Nebraska <laughs> if, the, if he was still there and the cameras were still down there. Now, Nate, it was a big weekend. Um, you know, you look at the guys that were in. I mean, theoretically. The four guys that were in, Jordan Riley, Jamari Butler, Magua was already committed, and Feldarius Payne. I mean, all those guys could be commits right now, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they very well could be. Now, Payne, is, he's not going to be um, you know, graduating until May. And so he's going to be one of those guys that – They might wait all the way till May then. Yeah, so I don't think that we'll see – You know, he's committed to NC State. So if he does decide to, to open things up, theoretically, um, obviously he's looking around if he visited Nebraska. But, you know, if he decides to, to kind of, uh, you know, go Nebraska's way, I don't know if he'll necessarily sign in December. I think that'll be a February type of deal since he won't be um, able to transfer until May. But, yeah, with, uh, you know, with uh, Jordan Riley, who's a North Carolina bounce back defensive tackle, defensive end, he's about 6'5", 310 pounds, uh, could play either position. Um, you know, he's a mid-year guy, two for two. Uh, and so uh, I think that we could very well see him commit and sign here uh, in the next week or so. And, um, you know, and, and then, um, you know, Jamari Butler is a high school kid. Decommitted from Tennessee. Decommitted from Tennessee, outside linebacker out of, out of Alabama. And, um, you know, who basically said, I'm down to Nebraska and TCU. He's visiting TCU this weekend, and then he's going to be making a decision. So, um, and he's one of the, you know, he's one of their outside linebackers that, that they've been after that kind of really came out of nowhere during his senior year and then all of a sudden landed a ton of SEC, Big Ten, uh, Big 12 offers. And so, um, you know, he just had a huge season after being primarily a basketball prospect. But he's 6'4", 210, super athletic. Uh, he's got that that long, rangy body uh, that, that they really like. So um, I, I like Nebraska's chances there. Uh, they just kind of have to survive the TCU visit this weekend. Yeah, What now you look at it, Nate, though, just the way Nebraska has gone after so much later offer-type JUCO guys, why is that? And, I mean – you get why fans might be skeptical or concerned about that. Yeah, I, well, I totally get it. I mean, it, it does kind of remind you of, um, you know, the the classic late Bo Pelini scramble uh, that we all kind of became accustomed to when when he was uh, in charge and uh, seemed like recruiting was always on the back burner during the season, and then uh, the season got over, and you're going, oh shoot, all of our top, you know, all of our plan A guys are are off the board, committed elsewhere, or don't have interest in us. So. 
Um, and, and, and a lot of the plan B guys already have something going. And so now all of a sudden you're, you're starting from scratch and, uh, but that's not necessarily the case here. You know, we, we know we've talked about it all season long, all the visitors that Nebraska has been bringing in. Um, they're still heavily involved with a lot of those guys that have, that have made their way to campus. But I think as far as the Juco offers and, and pursuit of those players goes, I think it's more of a, of a deal where Nebraska said, Hey, we really need help, you know, because last year, if you recall, they didn't they didn't bring in any JUCOs, uh, which they, in, in hindsight they probably should have. Uh, but and I think they were trying to avoid really hitting that super hard. Uh, but they they said this year they identified a handful of positions and they want to bring guys in. But they're trying to be smart about it. And, you know, a lot of these guys are either four for five or three for three, uh, three for two. So they're not, it's not like they bring in five guys that are all going to be leaving a hole in the roster in a couple years. All right, we're going to pick up this conversation when we come back in our final segment. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. The segment of the Husker Online Show is brought to you by our friends at Coogler Vision. Nate Klaus, tell them about your great experience at Coogler Vision. Yeah, I could not be more pleased with my experience my, from my LASIK procedure. And if you're anything like me, you've yet to really get into your, your Christmas shopping. But I've got the ultimate gift idea, and that is to uh, give your loved one the, the gift of vision. Uh, go to Coogler Vision, uh, see how, they can, how you can help your loved ones see or even give yourself that gift. I, I'm so happy that I did it. I uh, have better than 20-20 vision now. I don't have to mess around with glasses, contacts, whatever. Uh, but get into Coogler Vision. Tell them that Nate Klaus, Husker Online, sent you, and I promise they'll take great care of you. All right, let's pick back up, Nate, where we left off as we were talking about um, just kind of where things are at here uh, with the class. You know, last weekend it was a big, heavy Juco weekend. Um, this weekend, um, you know, you're, you're going to see some other late names come in. What is your gauge, Nate, on the guys coming in this weekend? They had a midweek visitor in Alante Brown. And then we have three or four other guys scheduled uh, that will be in this weekend. I mean, are these priority take guys? Are they kind of plan B guys? I mean, what, what's your read on the final weekend here? I think it's kind of a mixed bag right now. Um, you know, I, I think Alante Brown, who visited uh, midweek, uh, he's a wide receiver, prep school wide receiver, originally from Illinois, actually signed with Texas Tech last year, but opted to go the prep school route. Um, he's out in Connecticut, and his recruitment has really taken off. Yeah, I think that kind of paid off for him. But, um, you know, and he's taken a handful of visits. He, in, in Nebraska is kind of getting the, the last shot at him or one of the last shots at him. And, uh, you know, but I don't know if I would necessarily say that, that he is um, a, an automatic take. I think there's a couple guys, you know, like a, a Marcus Fleming, the, the four-star out of Miami that visited earlier in the season that actually decommitted from Miami while he was on his visit. Uh, Justin Robinson, obviously Omar Manning, the Juco uh, wide receiver. You know, there's a handful of those guys I think are probably a little ahead of Alante Brown. But, you know, if if they go elsewhere, if Nebraska doesn't feel like um, they're going to get any of those guys, I, I think they, they definitely put the full court press on Brown. And then, you know, like Nico Cooper, for example, the, the, the Juco outside linebacker from Hutchinson Community College, who's a three-for-three three guy, but he will not be able to transfer until May. 
And so he's definitely one of those guys that I think they're they're getting him up here. They're trying to trying to keep him warm and and, and see what happens. But they won't be sending out a, a letter of intent on on uh, the 18th. I don't believe. And so it's kind of like I said, kind of a mixed bag there. You, you you're setting yourself up with some some Plan B guys, or not necessarily Plan B guys, but you know you you've got a, a plan in case some things go awry or, or some things happen that you don't necessarily foresee, which. As we all know, that there you, nothing ever goes uh, 100% according to plan with recruiting. And then you look, Nate, uh, around the country, a lot of staff changes made. Um, Missouri's got a new coach. Obviously, Mike Norvell's now at Florida State. Arkansas um, hired a guy that, that's a great recruiter you know, from, from Georgia. Um, and, and then the big one, Old Miss, with Lane Kiffin. How concerned, if you're a Nebraska guy that follows recruiting, are you about maybe – some of these guys that are unsigned, that, that won't sign in December, that some of these newer SEC staffs that are going to be very aggressive, highly paid, um, that are going to come in and maybe try to take a guy or two that's on Nebraska's commit list that may not be signed. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's obviously a pretty big concern. Um, but at the same time, I, I do think that Nebraska's staff has done a really good job of, of creating relationships, building those uh, very strong relationships. I mean, you you really haven't seen any of the decommitments that the Huskers have had, which I think they're they've had two Rodney Gross and then Jamoy Hodge, both inside linebackers, and both were only committed for you know less than two weeks, and so it wasn't necessarily a deal where the Nebraska had been recruiting them for a year and a half or, or whatever, like a, a Xavier Betts or a Turner Corcoran. So. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely something that you have to keep an eye on and that you have to be concerned about. But at the same time, Nebraska is kind of doing the same thing. You know, they're, they're going after JV and Hester, a four-star wide receiver that's committed to, uh, to Missouri. They're, they're going after Keyshawn Green, who's one of those inside linebackers. He's a, he's a Rivals 250 four-star inside linebacker that just decommitted from Florida State. And they're actually getting his last visit. He was supposed to go to Florida State this weekend. But the Huskers were able to talk him into to coming up to Lincoln instead. So, um, you know, it, it kind of works both ways. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at this point in time, I'm not necessarily, you know, super concerned about anybody in the class being poached away by a Lane Kiffin just yet. What do you think of that? I mean, we got to, I don't want to say no Lane Kiffin, but we got to be around him. Yeah. Um, was it the last three years or two? I think three. Yeah, three years. Because um, it was Mike Riley and then two summers of Frost with those Adidas camps and um, seeing him make the move now from FAU to Old Miss, um, Nebraska-born guy, dad coached at Nebraska, played at Nebraska. We know his brother Chris from his time here as well. That will be – I mean, I think everyone speaks like this. I mean, it's we all want to watch. Oh, yeah. No matter what happens, I think we all want to watch what happens <laughs> to Lane Giffen at Old Miss now. Yeah, that's it's definitely must-see TV type of, type of deal there. And, and to me – Ole Miss is there. I mean, they've kind of they've knocked it out of the park there. I mean, I think that's about the only school that that fired a coach that is, has has got what they wanted. Hired a guy that yeah that that got what they wanted, or that you can say that this is a, a definite upgrade. I mean, Lane Kiffin or Matt Luke. I mean, <laughs> you're going Lane Kiffin. You know, uh, you got a dynamic personality. You got a great offensive mind and and somebody that can recruit and. Um, I think he's going to do really, really well there. Um, but yeah, and, and I, I mean, I'll be paying attention. Um, I know that. I mean, like you said, we've been able to kind of be around him and get to know him a little bit, uh, see how he operates, and and uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be uh, you know interesting to to see how he kind of reacclimates to the SEC. Well, and you look at his staff at FAU. He didn't really have a lot of money. I mean, he had lower level, almost kind of quality control type guys that would be at the SEC not not now he's got money at Old Miss to hire 
you know, higher level coaches. I'll be more interested to see who he convinces to come over with him as coordinators. I mean, he's going to call the plays, I'm assuming, on offense, but uh, that one will be fun to watch. But yeah, there's no way, you know, Florida State didn't fire Taggart when they did to get Mike Norvell. I mean, they they were shooting for Bob Stoops, Urban Meyer, and Arkansas. You know, they didn't fire Chad Morris to hire an offensive line coach as their head coach, but yeah. they, they had to make. I mean, so yeah, the carousel has not delivered this year. Um, and, you know, it does make you respect Bill Moose and how he's handled coaching moves in Nebraska because they've literally gotten the guys they've wanted um, fairly easily. And as we've learned, it's it's not easy in, in getting good coaches. No, it's definitely not. We've seen it play out this year. Shoot, we've, we've seen it play out at Nebraska uh, in the past. So, um, I mean, it is a risky move when, when you decide to go all in and, and, you know, kick someone out the door and, and try to try to bring in someone who's a definite upgrade. And, and um, you know, like I said, I, I think Ole Miss is – that's about the only program where you can say, well, that's a huge upgrade. Um, now, you know, Arkansas, I mean, that is a really tough job. Um, I'm interested to see what Sam Pittman can do there. I know he's a heck of a recruiter, uh, which is what they need uh, there if you're going to compete. But, um, yeah, that's that's definitely an uphill, an uphill battle for sure, especially in that conference. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Nate, now th- give us a rundown of just the timeline here. Uh, prospects will sign next Wednesday, but um, things will go um, quiet on Sunday, I believe, um, the, the, the de- or dead Sunday night or Monday. Uh, but really Friday, Friday will be the end of in-homes, right? I mean, you won't see too many Saturday in-homes going on. There, there could be, you know, a Saturday in-home or two. Um, Most guys are going to be on visits, though, elsewhere, right? Yeah, and, and so if, those, if, there, if there are visits, um, you know, I, I think that it would be to a longtime target, you know, maybe like a Caden Johnson in Minnesota, the four-star outside linebacker. You know, maybe, maybe after Nebraska wraps up, um, you know, it's recruiting weekend or whatever, the, the whole staff might fly out to, to Minneapolis and, and go spend the evening with Caden Johnson or, or an Omar Manning. Because they, they still have that visit to use on him this week. They still have that visit. So, I mean, there's a lot of – I mean, honestly, there's a lot of visits that still need to take place with some pretty high-value targets. Um, and so I'm, I'm interested to see kind of how they, they plan that all out. Omar Manning, um, do you, is he signing – in December, or is he going to wait? Well, see, he's one, he's another one of those guys. So, it, with his academic situation, uh, I, I you know, since he's a May guy, I, I have a feeling that uh, Nebraska will not sign Omar Manning in December um, unless they feel like, okay, he's he's in a good enough spot to where. Uh, you know, we're really, really confident that he's going to make it. So, but yeah, it's one of those storylines that it's going to be, you know, no one really knows exactly for sure because Omar Manning doesn't really talk to anybody. Um, you know, so if you get any information uh, from down in Texas on Omar Manning, it's got to come from his coaches. And, and to be honest with you, his coaches, you know, they're not, they're definitely not an open book either. They're, they're not spelling it out exactly, you know, what needs to happen. But Tell us a story. We yeah. want to know what's going on. Yeah, Texas A&M just came in with an offer there. So, you know, that's another, um, you know, chapter to that book that uh, is worth paying attention to. Yeah, we'll be, and Caden Johnson, he's signing next week, right? That's well. He, he said he's planning on it, um, you know, and, and I don't know if that's him being coy or, or not. You know, there's there's a couple other programs that I think uh, he was, you know, maybe hoping to visit or, or to hear a little bit more from. I know one was LSU, another one was t- was Tennessee that was talking with him. So, um, you know, we'll see. But I'm 99 percent sure that he will sign 
um, next week. And, and as of today, I, I think it will be Nebraska. All right. Well, it's going to be a busy finish. Make sure you are logged on to HuskerOnline.com as we will have you up to date on the latest. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.